This is the Tactical Leader Podcast, where we're on a journey of self-mastery and true leadership. I believe that in order to lead others, you must first be able to lead yourself. And in order to lead yourself, you have to first know yourself. If you want to learn the tactics to get to know yourself, to lead yourself, and to lead others, stay tuned to hear from industry experts as I unpack the tactics that they've used to build their business, build culture, and lead others. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Tactical Friday. You heard from him this past Monday, and we are welcoming Pat D'Amico back to the show to dive into his tactics, his leadership development strategies. Pat, welcome back to the show, my friend. Hey, Zach. Good to see you again, man. Man, I'm excited about this because obviously I think we had a great conversation army to army. You know, we don't care yep. about all the others. So yeah, get, bring right. that back up, right? So if y'all didn't hear all the great uh, conversation about how awesome the army is compared to the others, go back to Monday's episode. But today I wanted to really dive into your tactics of leadership development. And as we were talking, you know, I think you really outlined that you have a great strategy. You have a great way of breaking apart a developmental plan for leadership shifts, leadership acumen, and really enhancing that organizational philosophy towards leadership. And I want to dive into that. Can you talk to us a little bit about what would be the first couple steps when, when a client engages with you or an entrepreneur wants to shift their leadership capabilities because they're growing their team? What would be the first couple of things you'd, you'd start with in your process? Okay. Well, the, the first thing is I want to make, you know, I, I'd ask and make sure that there's executive leadership support. I mean, the, the reality is you, the, the organization as a whole has got to be behind it because you're, you know, you're not going to be asking a lot of the executive team. Since, as we talked before, it's got to be a long-term continuous process. You want that long-term commitment really to that development program. But what I normally do is usually an organization will say, here's what we think our gaps are in leadership. And, uh, and I tell them, I say this to them, you're probably half right, right? They're probably about 50% right. But that's the there's some blind spots probably but, in there. Right. Yeah. You know, so, but what I do first is I, you know, I, I, we call, I call it a diagnostic, similar to like a physician, right? You've got to diagnose before you can treat. So I do a, I'll do a diagnostic and that can take a lot of flavors. I can do a survey or I, I usually say I can do a survey or I can do one-on-one -on -one interviews, but I make it very clear which one I prefer. I prefer the one-on-one -on -one interviews. Right. Like the survey is going to give me greater data, a, a larger. Nobody wants to put something in writing. Right. right. But the one-on-one -on -one interviews, I can delve into things, right? I could start to hear themes after two or three interviews when I've got another 20 to go and I can really figure out and dig into those things. So, so I'll typically do this diagnostic process now, you know, and there might be different pieces. Like I'm doing one now where I'm doing interviews first, then based on those interviews, I'm going to send a survey to the managers, but I'm also going to send a survey to the employees. I want to get some, you know, some take on what's their opinion of what their managers do well and don't. And from that uh, is really where we then develop the plan. So I'll go back to the organization with a full report and I'll say, look, here are the things that sort of came out. Yep. Here are the prioritization, in my opinion, of, you know, based on the feedback, the prioritization of the greatest needs. And then we put a plan in place because sometimes organizations will come and they'll have a topic that they really think is important or they're feeling passionate about, or to be honest, that's usually not it. It's usually the flavor of the month, right? They'll come and say, well, we need, we need to talk about this topic. And I'll be like, you know what? You're not there yet, right? Th that's a topic that's important, but let's get some basic leadership and management skills down. And, and I do differentiate the two, right? I talk very plainly about, I'm primarily focused on leadership training. Management is managing the tasks of the day. 
the organization. We'll delve a little into that during the program if it's important and I need to get involved. But I'm really focused on, you know, first helping them understand what are the, what's the difference between leadership and management. And let's talk about leadership competencies. And then I'll put a plan in place. And it it can take a lot of different looks, right? It can be, hey, we're going to do, you know, a two-day program every quarter and we're going to do some stuff in between. It could be, I'm going to travel to their site a couple times a month and run these programs and, you know, people will sign up and run them through. There might let be- Let me, let me interject real quick because Please. what's coming to my mind about this it, it, it sounds great, however, comma. This is where I want to push back from stuff I've seen yeah. in the military, law enforcement. This is where the cultural piece of it, and I'm curious if you've seen it, I imagine that the answer will be yes, but don't let me lead you into that. Yeah. When you start developing this plan, you one of the first things you said, you had to have executive leadership commitment to seeing the plan through. From the lower leadership, middle management, and down, that sounds like, oh, great. He's going to come in and tell me what's wrong with them, right? And you're going to tell me how to better interact with them, right? And it becomes almost potentially, and I saw, again, I saw this exactly in leadership, in the army and in law enforcement, it almost creates a divide of us versus them. And what ends up happening is something very similar to what you ended up, you started with on Monday. It really focuses on that top-down approach, Right. And it really does highlight several different things that you focus on. I know for a fact in, in about face development where people are leaving their manager. They're not leaving the organization, leaving the manager. But sometimes I feel like they kind of get skirted by. They're not involved, right? They sign you up, bring you, oh, we're going to make great leaders of our organization, but then they don't show up to the sessions. So the commitment's there, but not personally, just organizationally. Have you run into that with any of the leaders that are like, Oh, they need it. I don't need it. I have a blind spot of self-awareness where I'm a great leader. Yeah. Have you ever uh, run into that? So I, does that make sense at least as a whole? Yeah, no, it makes perfect big sense. Big. I know exactly. So, so two comments. First off is, you know, where I thought you were headed was part of the reason I do the diagnostic is to get buy-in from the organization and that diagnostic. So, so the, the folks that are the first line leaders, yep. you know, their impression is, you know, this is our program. It's being built based on what we're saying we need not what the organization is saying, which Got is it. why I often, which is why I told you 50% that what they say is wrong is about 50% correct, right? But and there's the ownership from that mid level, right? Yes. They can do ownership. But, Got it. Yeah. But the diagnostic includes all the way up to the top. So yes. I'm engaging those folks and I'm one on one in this setting saying to them, look, the importance of you being there and being present is absolutely huge. My personal experience has been that if, I can get the organization to commit to a program. I usually can get the senior leaders to commit to being there. I mean, I, I, I ran a program three weeks ago and the, my contact called and said, Hey, look, the, the president wants to, wants to, wants to be there, but he wants to stay the whole two days. Is, is that going to be a problem? And I'm like, that is absolutely not going to be a problem, yeah. right? His presence and being engaged. And I said that to him at the end, I said, Hey man, the fact that you sat in the room and you participated for two full days. Like I cannot overstate, you know, how impressive that is and the credibility that that builds for you. So, so and it's such so, a hard balance for you, you being the facilitator, right? And it, man, this, this fascinates the heck out of me, right? Yeah. So you have them or us, you have, we'll start with us. You have us, the lower, lower leadership, the employees yep. might not feel safe to speak openly, right? If the boss is in the room, uh, we can't complain about the boss. So they don't want to open. So then it limits the dialogue that could happen. 
Conversely, you want the senior leaders to lead by example. That's a huge yeah. thing everybody talks about, but then they don't want to, in, in the military at least, they didn't want to show up to that leadership training because they yeah. thought it was better for lower leaders. I've had it, I've done it. It doesn't matter for me, right? And there's such a delicate tightrope. You're right there in the middle to facilitate yeah. great conversation, great improvement, cultural shift. So you kind of have to have everybody there, but then you have to facilitate. And that's like a masterful facilitation piece. You're working there. Yeah, well, I, and I think that one of my greatest skills is as a facilitator, right? At this point in my career, I consider myself a master facilitator. So it has, a, you're, it's very perceptive. It has a lot to do with that. So I think the things that play in are when, when she reached out to me and said, look, the president would like to be there. I'm going to tell you the truth. Sec. Had, had I had a perception that either that was, that, that the culture was, you know, the culture of the organization that was not going to work well, or if I had a perception that that it's a it's a very hierarchical organization which is going to result in people you know clamming up i would have had no problem saying you know what i really don't think that's going to be best for the group so i i you know i knew the president i know him he's my contact so i was very comfortable there but the reality is to your point when i'm working in an organization where maybe that maybe that middle management level right that that's that third fourth level of management feels hey i know this and i don't really need this that it's really on me as the facilitator to make that, to make their time as valuable as possible. Because at the end of the day, I don't want the focus being, well, our seniors didn't show up, whatever. If I can create an environment that's really valuable for them, right? They're all learning something and they're all working together and I create a camaraderie there, then, then I don't have to worry too much about that. The other thing I would say to you is, I'm always looking for opportunities to get at those higher levels. So I, I, one client, I do all their management leadership development for the whole organization, all functions. And I managed to convince the, the CEO, if she had a meeting coming up with her staff, managed to convince her, Hey, let's spend, you know, 90 minutes, right? Let's do something for 90 minutes and managed to get myself in the room. And we hit about, you know, 75 of those 90 minutes. And she paused and said, I just want to be clear. We're, we're clear in the next two hours. This is too valuable to dis a discussion. So, you know, so I'm trying to reach those folks as well, and provide them value because the value they're looking for, what's going to be valuable to them is maybe it should be the stuff I'm doing with the first line leaders, but they're not going to sit for it. Right? right. I might argue and say, you don't have this competency. Let's be honest. You really need this stuff. But, um, and I think the more momentum you gain, the more interest it creates. And then the naysayers sort of get sidelined, right? People are yeah. like, Hey, you know what? If you yeah. don't want to go, you don't have to go. But it's, it's, you know, it's getting value. So I do experience it, but at the end of the day, my charge is to bring value to the people that end up in that room. Nice. No, I, I love that. It's a great, great attitude to have towards that, right? Because sometimes it can be as a facilitator, as many events as I host, there's almost several times where it's like, man, these people didn't show up. So I'm kind of bummed about it, but then you have to recognize as a master facilitator, like everything you're doing in that room. You have to perform your best for the people that show up and are open to that message, right? You have to. Facilitation is not easy. I mean, I really, you know, it is, it is There's a really form to it. It's True. a finite skill that, that really, you know, takes time to develop. And, 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 and I've said, and we can do a whole discussion on this because I have data on this. You can take me mediocre content in the hands of a, of an amazing facilitator will the, the perception of the people who attend is going to be was incredibly valuable. You can take exceptional content, put it in the hands of a mediocre facilitator, and their their opinion of both the facilitator and the overall program 
is going to be, you know, mediocre. So it's incredible. And, and I, I had my eyes open to this, you know, about 12 years ago when I was running, learning and development a company and I experienced that. And I was like, oh my gosh, I started digging into some data and it's incredible to see a facilitator can really bring value with, with even lousy content. I, I 100% agree because it's some stuff. Back in the police days, I used to teach at the Regional Law Enforcement Academy, and I was I loved teaching criminal law. Okay. The law book fascinated me, traffic codes, all the things that like, here's the book, all you have to do is read it to learn. I yeah. loved it, but it is some of the driest, most boring content, right? And But there, there are ways to enhance that, right? And I think 100%. teaching stuff like that enhances the facilitation capabilities that somebody has because at the end of the day, you know, that, that's a great exercise. And how do you make running a stop sign entertaining, right? Yeah. So many factors attached to that. It, makes, it just makes me laugh thinking about, to your point, you're spot on. And if the content's terrible, but the facilitator's good, at least it elevates to that level. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I've seen some lousy content in the hands of a great facilitator, and I left going, wow, that would have never been enjoyable <laughs> at all in most other people's hands. Yeah. And so I know we talked a little bit about, we went down the track and I sidelined yeah. a bit of your <laughs> developmental plan. There's, there's one other aspect I'm curious how you would address it because I feel like this is seen often and it's that middle management level that I, more or less, I'm going to use the terms loosely. I'm sure there are industry terms you could uh, correct me with, but they filter information up so that their employees aren't highlighted the way they should be. That scarcity mindset of, I don't want an employee to leapfrog over me. So I'm going to yeah. kind of not let everybody above me know how great this person is because I'm threatened by them. That scarcity mindset. Do you run into that in that mid-management level? Because I, I feel like from the employee perspective, that probably happens a lot. You know, ideas are stolen and the manager takes credit for it or whatever it may be. Do you run into that uh, when you're working with folks? How do you overcome that? What, what's your feedback on that? Yeah, we'll certainly run into it. I mean, it's, you know, at the end of the day, you're talking about individual, right? Human beings. So everybody's in, in, in what are, what, what's, what's their agenda. When I run into organizations that have a problem with that, you know, I, I go at things as soon as I see them, right. I'll say, hey, look, you, you know, you've got a problem, but there's usually a, there's, you know, I, I don't necessarily think to me it's, that's either isolate, if it's isolated, it's that individual. Right. And so you know, that, in, that individual to me is, is one of those that you got to look at and go, are they going to change or do we want them out? Because they're not really, that's not really productive of the organization. If I see it on a larger scale, it's normally not the individuals It's related to the culture of usually it's a zero tolerance culture. So, so not only are the leaders at those levels, not willing to recognize their folks, they're also you know, some of it comes from, they're also not sharing anything that goes wrong, right? It's a zero tolerance right. culture. We can't have mistakes made. So yeah. you live in a culture like that. Your whole, your whole life is looking for things to really bring forward that you've done well. And I think it, it feeds people taking credit for other, mm. for other, you know, employees, things below them, because it's like, you know, I, I'm just trying to find some way to make myself look good because, you know, I'm spending so much time hiding the things that are going wrong. Big differences in cultures that I found organizations that have a have a culture that encourages people to share their failures so people can learn and in organizations that hide them i see a direct correlation to success in those in in those organizations as as well as an obvious correlation of good people leaving if it's you know if it's if it's a zero tolerance culture so yeah and definitely don't want the good people leaving it i mean you see it so often of people complaining how we never can keep the good ones 
the good people. And all, that's a, yeah. So, and, and my answer to that is you, you got, you've got a leadership competency issue. There's an issue. Definitely people an issue. Leave jobs for their manager. You yeah. are not training them. You're not high. You're not hiring good managers. You're promoting people that you shouldn't be promoting, right? There's a myriad of reasons, but the bottom line is if you're losing a lot of good people, you've got to look at what are you lacking in leadership competency at the first line level? Man, I, I love it, dude. We could talk about this all day, the, the psychology yeah. behind leading. And, and it really, there is an art in leading, right? There is such a great art form in doing this dance, right? You know, understanding the different complexities. And there's so much that goes into it, man. I want to make sure the audience has the opportunity to connect with you, reach out to you, engage with you. What's the best way for them to follow along your journey and reach out, connect with you? Well, you know, aboutfacedevelopment.com is one of the easiest ways, or honestly, LinkedIn, right? I'm very active on LinkedIn, so they can look me up there. Uh, so those are probably two of the, 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 the quickest ways. Beautiful. And we will link those in the show notes and make sure we get the spelling of your name proper, because I know you had to work on me pronouncing it <laughs> You did it a good properly. job, man. <laughs> you know, we're going to work on it, but we'll make sure we get all that linked in the show notes. Overall, Pat, I, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you sharing these insights. Like I said, this is so fascinating to me, and I think there's so much great work you're putting into the world through your philosophy on leading. And overall, thanks for being here today, man. I look forward to chatting again. Thank you, Zach. Great to see you again. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Tactical Leader Podcast. If this episode helped you along your journey of self-mastery and has inspired you to do more, I challenge you to head over to myvoicechallenge.com so you can find out how you can discover your voice claim your independence, and build that thriving business that you've always wanted. Again, that's myvoicechallenge.com.